0: Welcome to this podcast from St. Michael and All Angels Episcopal Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope you consider hitting like or subscribe. We hope you will share this audio with your friends and neighbors. Help others know about our inclusive, theologically progressive community of faith. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can make a gift at stmichaelsabq.org. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. The scripture this morning sure is rich and troubling. In future years, I may assign this Sunday away to one of the associate clergy. (laughs) Um, Someday, I may ask our clergy to preach a whole series on the Ten Commandments. Uh, We'll see how we do on that one. We could offer a whole course on St. Paul's sense of gains and loss and identity. But this morning, I want to sit today with Jesus' disturbing parable. We have within us, I think, a deep need for allegory, for mystery. And today's troubling story must be read in this way, allegorically. There are several symbols throughout Jesus' story. I'm I'm not going to try to cover all of them, don't worry. But I want to talk about the watchtower. I can't read this parable without immediately hearing in my mind a very particular guitar riff. In 1968, Jimi Hendrix released his recording of All Along the Watchtower. And on Spotify today, it's the most listened to track for Hendrix. And the song, of course, was originally composed by Bob Dylan. And there are just 12 prosaic lines of the characteristic of Dylan's style. There's no easy interpretation of the song. And many have wondered whether the song, due to Dylan's Jewish heritage, is playing with the prophet Isaiah. If so, then Bob Dylan is in Jesus' good company. That's what Jesus is doing today, is playing with some images from Isaiah. This allegory is older than even the New Testament. And I think it's important to name the Jewishness in this story because parables like this one have been used in very anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic ways, haven't they? And scholars, even old John Calvin himself, think that reading this story against the Jewish community is a cop-out. This is a story about what happens when religious people writ large and religious authorities specifically abuse their power. So Bob Dylan and Jimi Hendrix knew a thing or two about abuse of power. And the song builds ominously again and again we hear about the watchtower as the wind begins to blow and it's the storm i think why i associate this with Jimi hendrix it's, it's the guitar riff that he has is so dark it builds the tension in this allegory you can almost feel the dark clouds rolling and the watchtower is a powerful image isn't it it's an allegorical image It's the kind of image that leaves us with more questions than answers. In the story today, the threat to the vineyard does not, after all, come from the outside. It's not exterior to the land. The businessmen, they drink the wine. Those employed by the owner stand in that watchtower, presumably, as they plot to what they're going to do when they see the landowner's son coming the structure built to defend the land from outsiders becomes the site where insiders plot betrayal. Betrayal is key in the story. If I were a preacher a few centuries ago and we read this story during the start of stewardship season, I might have used the image of God's wrath to try to frighten you into being generous to the church. And thankfully I'm not that kind of preacher. I also get the sense this isn't the kind of congregation where fear works as a good motivator. (laughs) I will say there's a reason we read this story in the fall stewardship season. Because within the betrayal is a theological economics. Those who are entrusted to care for the land, to watch over the land, they have taken what wasn't theirs to take. The fruit that didn't belong to them made them rich and made them greedy. There's an injustice at the heart of this story, an economic injustice. I don't think we talk enough about justice when it comes to our conversations about giving in the church. In the Episcopal Church, at least, we tend to talk about giving thankfully back to God. We talk about abundance. But most of Jesus' stories don't center there economically. Jesus is less concerned that we be thankful givers. Christian generosity is meant to be about transforming unjust structures. In this story, it's it's just one of many that Jesus is sharing in this part of Matthew that talk about economic injustice. And he knew economic injustice in his own time a few in the time of Jesus grew wealthy off the labor of the many. In our own day, some of us have a superabundance, while our neighbors have too little. The lines at our food pantry are growing, the numbers of asylum seekers are growing and growing, that are served by our landing ministry. And in that sense, I wonder whether the image of the watchtower is an invitation to pay attention Many of us in this church have been economically advantaged. We've grown up with abundance. And notice I say many, not all, but many. And this is one of the several stories Jesus tells of God's economy. In God's economy, there is enough work and there are enough wages for all. In God's economy, hoarding has no place. In God's economy, those who have been forced to flee their homeland... The immigrants among us find welcome and employment and the possibility of a new life with dignity. Now, you may say to me, Mike, look around you. We don't live in God's economy. I disagree, and I'd point to the watchtower. I believe we do live in God's economy, but too many of us in our society have gotten used to shutting our eyes. There's a gap, yes, between our lived reality and God's ideal. We know that our economics are broken. And I believe that God is always at work to close the gap. God yearns for justice. One of the ways that we practice justice is through generosity. I I had a really important mentor in my life. My first rector at the church I served in Washington, D.C., the Reverend Dr. Luis Leon, and he had one of the best stewardship lines I've ever heard. It goes like this. He used to say every season, money is a powerful tool. If you're able to give away some of your money, you have power over the tool. If you can't give away your money, it has power over you. It's a good line because money is a powerful tool. And it can be used powerfully to right wrongs, to mend fences, to do the work of liberating our neighbors. Giving can give us power over the tool. No watchtower will save us from our own anxieties about money, but generosity has the capacity to loosen us up. I hope you practice transformative generosity, and I hope that St. Michael's is one of the places you see justice being done. I hope this is one of the places that you choose to practice generosity. Your stewardship committee is in the midst of a bit of a transition, and we're talking about moving our model to a model of year-round stewardship, and don't worry, it doesn't mean that we're going to be in a perpetual pledge drive. I promise that we won't try and copy NPR and suspend programming uh, multiple times a year. But a lot of the idea for the year-round stewardship originated with JP. It's part of his work of community care. JP asked the committee what would happen if through the year we sought to tell stories about how the generosity of this congregation is making a difference what if we highlighted the way we take stands in this place for kids in our neighborhood for families who need a safe affordable place for preschool what if we told the stories of people helped by our food pantry or folks supported by the pastoral care ministry of your clergy what if we gave you the bird's eye view of the life of one of our youth who's preparing for confirmation Uh, What if we talked intentionally about the ways your donations allow us to make room for the landing, to open our doors to asylum seekers, making sure they have a place to stay which is warm and safe and welcoming? Following this allegory of the Watchtower, what if we told the stories of how St. Michael's does not look out just for our members, but for our wider community, We're planning to thank this congregation year-round to invite you to continue to support these ministries which make a real impact for our neighbors, for those beyond our walls. The story of the Watchtower that we hear from Jesus today is a tragedy, in part because there was such potential. This is not the foreground of the story, but the background. That's why allegory is so powerful. What if the landowner had returned? to hear how the tenants had used the tower to safeguard the wider community what if the tower had been used to call the the village together to share the fruits of the harvest with those in desperate need if the owner had learned on his return that his land was now regarded as a safe haven that helped to care for the village for the vulnerable the story could have ended so differently i'll never be able as i said to listen to jesus story of the watchtower without hearing Jimi hendrix in my mind i always wonder what it must be like for an artist when someone else plays their song and makes it a massive hit i imagine if i was the songwriter i would be jealous and maybe at some point that was true for bob dylan but dylan has said in interviews after hendrix died that he adopted Jimmy's way of performing the song. Every time he plays his own ballad, he plays the guitar solo that Jimi Hendrix added to the tune. He thinks of it as a tribute to Jimi Hendrix. He thinks of the song as Jimmy's. Whatever he felt at first, Dylan got to a generous place, which is good for the soul. And Dylan has also said that it was Jimi Hendrix that really gave his image of the gathering storm a certain force. And I wonder whether that Hendrix version is so popular today because of the darkness that that solo played in the late 1960s. I wonder if it plays similarly in our own day in 2023. In the midst of gathering darkness, in the midst of days that can be troubling, we at St. Michael's have been entrusted with a watchtower, God calls us to share this section of the North Valley and to put it to good use. We believe fundamentally that all we have comes from God. God asks us to give in ways that make for change. And generosity, when it is seen as a spiritual practice, has the power to transform our own souls. It is up to us to determine how we will put God's love into action here in Albuquerque in the year to come. How and where will you be generous in order to watch out for your neighbor? Amen.